Week three of the NFL season is in the books. You're listening to Gridiron Authority Podcast. My name is Keith Thornton, and with me as always, my co-host, Mike Adams. What do we got going on this episode, Mike? Uh, we got a lot. We are covering the news and highlights of uh, the NFL week, th- uh, week three and NCAA football week four. So we got a lot to cover. All right, let's do it. All right, week three of the NFL season's in the books, and it was a pretty good one. Uh, you know, an Antonio Brown free one, if you if you catch my drift. We don't really like this and don't like talking about him that much. He's been cut from the Patriots and out of our lives for now anyway. Um, we typically will do the recap, the picks, fantasy coverage, and everything in one episode. This week we're going to split it up into two. So this episode is going to be our uh, review of the week and and kind of a recap, and then it'll be our picks and some college football talk, and then we'll release another episode along with it. That's our fantasy predictions for the week. All right, so let's get started by covering a little bit of the news out of week two. Um, we'll dive right into the recap. So on Thursday night, the Jags dismantled the Titans in a convincing win. Gardner Minshew's kind of taken the NFL by storm so far this season with his his mustache and, and his cool persona. Uh, if this continues, is he the quarterback of the future for Jacksonville? I think it's it's going to be an, an uh, interesting conversation. They obviously went out and spent a lot of money on on Nick Foles, but uh, if Minshew keeps playing, you know, as well as he is, he's thrown for right around seven hundred yards, five touchdowns, one interception, uh, and he's actually ran for eighty yards so far. So, uh, I mean, if he keeps playing like that, and the Jags start winning some games, and uh, I think they're saying Nick Foles coming back around week ten or eleven, uh, if if the Jaguars are you know that that six and four, seven and three kind of range, uh, give or take around there at that time. I mean, I think there's going to definitely be a conversation of should they keep Minshew in right now? Um, I I think he's got down the line, maybe if they do put Foles in, I think maybe next year, the year after, uh, it's definitely going to, I think Minshew is the quarterback of the future, just maybe not right now. Well, I think one thing's definitely for sure. We can all really agree is the guy's just a likable dude. I mean, you can see all the merchandise coming out with pictures of him with his mustache, and he's got the whole 70s porn star groove going on. Um, I saw a funny meme saying that Minshew's the Baker Mayfield we all deserved. Uh, this, everyone kind of expected Mayfield to be that big personality that just goes out and slings the football and it's kind of like a Brett Favre-type gunslinger. And it seems like Gardner Minshew's actually doing a better job of doing that this year. Yeah, I mean, it's to to me, Gardner Minshew is the likable version of what we want Baker Mayfield to be. When Baker Mayfield says stuff, he just kind of he just comes off as unlikable. Honestly, he just comes off as a you know just cocky athlete. Whereas Minshew, you know, he's kind of got that Joe Namath you know charisma to him a little bit. He's he's very likable. Uh, and like I said, Mayfield one, he's struggling this season. He's not playing very well. The Browns aren't winning games. Um, but he, he just kind of comes off as again, like another arrogant athlete that thinks he's better than everyone else. Uh, Minshew just kind of seems like one of the guys that's just having fun. Uh, so I think that's what kind of separates him, honestly. Yeah. I think the Jags are going to cash in because he's, he's a marketable guy. When I think of guys like him with that it factor, I think of guys like Pat Mahomes who, you know, the hair and the headband, he's got like a trademark thing going on. Gardner Minshew's got the headband, the long hair and the mustache, uh, it's going to make them a lot of money in merchandise. And, and if he keeps playing this way, it's going to be a really fun ride for the Jags. 
Yeah, and I, I think it's what'll be interesting is if they do bench him in, in favor of Nick Foles. Like I said, they and they have every right to do that because they spent all this money on him. Uh, but if they do bench him, as soon as Foles throws an interception, people are going to go crazy calling for Minshew to come back in. As soon as something bad happens, uh, they're going to want Minshew right back in, it's, which is a funny situation because that's what happened last year with, with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles in Philadelphia. I mean, uh, Carson Wentz struggled at times and everyone wanted Nick Foles back. And now Nick Foles is in the opposite situation to where if he comes back and struggles, everyone's going to want Minshew back in. Yeah, and even going further back, it kind of reminds me of, and this is kind of dating me a little bit, but when Trent Green got hurt playing for the Chiefs, Damon Heward came in, led him to the playoffs, and and right about that time, Trent Green came back. There was a big controversy because people wanted Heward to start. They started Trent Green. Of course, they lost. Uh, Chiefs playoff curse continued. But it kind of has the same feelings of that. Yeah, the, yeah, it's it's uh, it'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. I mean, I hope Minshew stays in. Um, I like him. I, I mean, I see all the memes that just make me laugh every time I see him. So, uh, again, he's a real likable guy. He's playing well. His teammates really seem to like him. Uh, and when when uh, Maroney and them actually let him throw the ball, I mean, the kid can play. Um, it's not he doesn't seem like a game manager. They've kind of treated him like that at times, but when, you know, when he, when they allow him to actually throw it and open up the field, he can play. And again, I mean, he, he's run for 80 yards so far. He can move the pocket. Uh, He's got a, he's got a solid arm. He's got good vision, makes good decisions for the most part. So uh, I mean, I I hope he stays in personally. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch. All right, so the Cowboys had the playable bye week, went into Miami, and uh, did exactly what we expected him to and kind of blew him out. Um, Josh Rosen, he didn't necessarily look good, but he, I think he played better than Fitzpatrick had so far. Um, is he the starter for the rest of the season, and is, does it even matter at this point? Uh, I don't know if it matters, but I do think he's the starter for the rest of the season because, the I mean, the Dolphins are still – they gave up a second-round pick for the guy, so they're going to want to see what they have for him. And and they're also going to want to showcase him for uh, for other teams because I think what's going to happen is is uh, they're, he's going to play out the year. I think barring injury, he starts the rest of the season. Uh, they're going to want to showcase his talent and, and maybe try and get that second-round pick out of him for a team that wants a quarterback next year. Uh, I do think he's going to be traded again. It's it's unfortunate because it'll basically be three teams in three years. Um, I, I do think he can play. I just don't think, you know, last year in Arizona, he was in a bad situation. This year in uh, Miami, he's in a worse situation. So uh, I do feel bad because he's not getting, you know, he's he's not getting the opportunity to succeed like he should, like some of these other guys are getting. But, uh, I mean, it is the NFL. It's a business, and the Dolphins are going to do what's best for them. Yeah, it's kind of hard. I, I didn't like Rosen coming out. I thought he was kind of cocky, arrogant quarterback. But I can't remember a position that guy's been in that young that's this bad. I mean, he goes into a bad Arizona Cardinals team with a new head coach. He gets one season. They get the top draft pick, so they want their quarterback. They ship him to Miami. Miami's doing the exact same thing. First-year head coach. They suck. They're going to get the first overall draft pick. They're going to take a quarterback. Uh, this guy really hasn't had a shot. I mean, you can't expect everyone to have a, a first-year dynamite season when right now he's two seasons, two head coaches, two offensive coordinators, and two really bad teams. I mean, I can't remember a guy who's had such a rough shot. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but 
again, just play out the season, showcase yourself, show teams what you can do in a bad situation uh, without much around you. And he may be able to get himself in a good situation next year, honestly. Exactly. I, I'm rooting for the kid. Yeah. All right. So the Bills moved to 3-0 and after beating the Bengals. Uh, you know, the Bengals weren't a great team. How much longer do they keep this momentum going? I know they're playing the Pats this weekend. Does it end here? Um, I maybe maybe the win streak does. Uh, I think this week's kind of a 50 50 game. I think the Pats are the better team, but they do have some injuries. Uh, so I say this is a 50 50 game. But after after this week, you look at their schedule, uh, they play the Titans who haven't looked great this year. Um, I think that's a winnable game. They play the Dolphins, they should win that one, no problem. Uh, they play the Eagles who have looked inconsistent, Redskins, they should be. Then they play the Browns again, an inconsistent team. And then the Dolphins again, and then the Broncos. Um, and then, you know, their last few games are a bit of a, a, a test because they'll play the the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the Patriots all in the last uh, five or six weeks of the season. So um, I, I think the Bills, to me, looking at their schedule, they're they're a 10 and 6 team, honestly, if everything goes right. Um, I, I think that they're going to have a real shot at making the playoffs, honestly, um, which will be a huge step up for this team. So. Uh, again, the momentum may end this week, but I think they're going to have a good season just based off their schedule. Yeah, I agree completely. And it'll be good to see them in the playoffs. And I think that they're going to do it. I actually think at least one time, I don't know if it's going to be this week, but I think they can beat the Pats this year. So uh, if they do that, then they, they for sure, I think will make the playoffs as a wild card. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I'd like to see him in the playoffs because I mean, Bill's fans are, yeah, I love Bills fans. Honestly, uh, I love the Bills Mafia. They're uh, to me, I think they're <laughs> they're some of, if not the most dedicated fans in all of football. I mean, the guys, you know, light themselves on fire and throw themselves through tables. Uh, a guy blew his yeah. face off with fireworks the other day after they went three and zero celebrating. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean they're 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 crazy, but you know, in a in a good way. Um, they're you know they're if if we're going to compare them, I mean, they're kind of the the Gardner Minshew of fans. Honestly, they're crazy, <laughs> but. I mean, you can't help but like them. Crazy but likable. Yeah. All right. And another good game. We had the Colts knocking off the Falcons. It's been a real up and down season for the Falcons so far. They're sitting at one and two right now. Uh, everyone, it seems like every year, and and they're not really unlike the Chargers in this aspect. They're always projected as one of the top NFC teams coming out, but then they tend to struggle. So I guess at this point, is it is it a Matt Ryan issue? Is it a Dan Quinn issue? Or are they just not a complete team yet? I mean, why do they struggle so much? Uh, They're not a complete team. I mean, the defense has obviously struggled. Uh, I mean, they've given up some big points this year, but it it is a Dan Quinn thing also because you look at them, they're they're only averaging 18 rush attempts a game right now. Um, 18 rush attempts a game. They're only averaging about 75 yards rushing a game. They got one of the worst rushing offenses uh, in the league right now. It's, It's almost, I mean, they basically refuse to run the ball and it makes it it makes it easy to defend against them if you know all you got to do is just say okay guard against julio jones guard against calvin ridley uh and uh, austin hooper and uh that's really all you got to do um i mean you you play i mean you you do that on madden and it's predictable imagine doing it in real life when guys study you for for 70 80 hours in a week leading up to it um, so I think if they if they actually can become more balanced and they can get an identity, uh, I think they're going to be fine. They've got talent, um, especially on the offensive side, and they got talent. You know, Devontae Freeman's a good running back. They just won't use him uh, for for whatever reason. I'm not sure, honestly. 
Uh, so, yeah. I think it might be one of those, you know, they've got the now the highest paid receiver in the game. They just feel like they got to keep feeding that. And it, it, what happens is it's kind of like Nebraska when they fired Bo Pelini. They had a coach who was decent, and you could expect him to win a lot of games in their last coach. They fire him because they want to take that next step, and this guy is just – you know, it, it's really a gamble every week. You think that they're favored in a game, they lose. You think that they're underdogs in a game, they win. It's kind of a, it's up in the air every single week. It's one of the harder games to pick every time the Falcons play. That's it's uh I, again. I mean, they they've got the talent, especially on offense. Again, their defense needs some work, but uh, they've got talent on offense, and and they just they don't have any balance to it. It's it's a super predictable offense, and. And uh, it's showing right now. I mean, everyone knows what they're going to do. They know who they're going to throw it to. So, um, again, if they could just – if they'll just use the the players that they have, you know, better, honestly, that they should be okay. But, I mean, they haven't really done that the last couple years, honestly, so I don't see it changing. Yeah, it'll be a fun fun thing to track. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we'll move on. The Vikings, uh, they handled the Raiders 34-14. Um, last week we were super critical of Kirk cousins in the passing game for Minnesota. He wants, this is another game where he didn't really have to do much. Uh, he's 15 of 21 for 174 yards and one touchdown. Did he do anything to show that he's back to playing good football or is this more of the, the run games carrying him? I mean, it's a little bit of both. Uh, I mean, the Vikings, they're second in the league in rushing right now, only behind the Ravens. Uh, Dalvin Cook has has turned into a monster this year. He's he's become the running back that the you know the Vikings wanted him to be a few years ago uh, when they drafted him. He, he's he's finally coming back from the injury. He's fully healthy. He's showing what he can do. Uh, and right now, all they really need Cousins to do is just manage a game. They don't need him to you know they brought him in to win games. But right now, that's what the the running game is going to do. They're going the running game is going to win the games. Uh, all Cousins has to do is be good enough to get the defense to back off the line so they don't stack eight in the box every single play. Uh, and that's it's kind of what they did against the Raiders. I mean, he was good enough to get them to back up a little bit and allow the running game to do what they do. And uh, so with that defense and that running game, that's all he really needs to do the rest of the season, honestly. I mean, here and there, he does need to maybe throw for more than 174 yards a game. But, uh, I mean, make some plays here and there. But right now, all he's got to do is manage. Yeah, I think what's going to be curious is what happens when a, a good defense comes in, loads the box, and and shuts Dalvin Cook down, forces Kirk Cousins into those throwing situations. Is he equipped to win those games? History says no, but I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, at yeah. the same time, though, if if they bring up if they bring up eight in the box and and they set up a good play action and they get four receivers back there. Uh, then I mean, he's got Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs are are good. I mean, they're good receivers. Or they're two of the best receivers in the league, actually. So he's got the weapons. It's it's more or less uh uh you know uh decision making. He's got to make the right decision. Uh, you know who to throw it to, and he's got to put the ball where it needs to be. You know, uh, he's got to he's got to improve his accuracy and he's got to improve his decision making. Um, he's shown he can do it at times, and and his you know you don't get the contract he gets by not having that that talent so he's got the talent he's just gotta gotta use it on us he's kind of like the falcons i mean they got the talent to run the ball they just have to do it you know Kirk cousins has the talent to throw the ball and and uh to be a pro bowl quarterback he's just gotta you know do it again so exactly uh, that'd be something we're keeping our eye on yeah for sure all right now let's go to the much anticipated high-powered offensive showdown 
Uh, the Chiefs beat the Ravens 33-28. to 28. Uh, It looks a lot closer than it really was. The Chiefs had a 17-point lead going into the fourth quarter and kind of eased up a little bit, and they, they brought it within – you know, within a touchdown. So um, last week I gave my thoughts on how I thought the pro bowl passer version of Lamar Jackson was kind of created by playing two of the worst defenses in the leagues and week one and two with the dolphins and the Cardinals after this game, obviously I still stand by that statement because against the average chiefs defense, he barely completed 50% of his passes. Didn't throw any touchdowns. Uh, A couple of his completions late in the game were hail Mary type plays. They were just lobbed up in the air and, Luckily for him, Chiefs didn't make plays on the ball. Um, he had to go back to relying on his running ability to pick up a lot of first downs instead of his arm. Um, now, I'm not saying he's not a great quarterback, as I think he can be, uh, but when I turned on Sunday NFL Countdown and they're asking who the better quarterback is between him and Mahomes, I find it absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it, in my book, it's not even close. Um, against two potential top five defenses in the Ravens and the Jags, the first three weeks of the season, all Mahomes has done is throw for 400 yards a game and 10 touchdowns with no picks. So, uh, Mike, what do you think of the Lamar Jackson Pat Mahomes showdown? Uh, I mean, it. it I mean, kind of like you said, it it went how we thought it would go. Um, I mean, Mahomes threw the ball better and and Jackson ran the ball better. Um, but that's their strengths. That's how it should go. Um, I mean, Jackson doesn't Jackson. Like you said, everyone you know was was blowing up comparing him. Uh, you know, how good of a passer he is, but they didn't factor in that they were bad defenses. And they, you know, they, if they did, they just assumed it would carry over, you know, and the chiefs don't have a great defense. They have an average defense um, at best. And uh, I mean, he, he looked good the first couple of weeks and I think he's going to have a good season throwing the ball, but uh, what they need to do is, is allow him to, to move the pocket and run outside the pocket, get the defense to come up out of, out of fear of him running, just pull that defense up a little closer and let him throw it over the top to, to Hollywood Brown. Uh, and, and same thing with, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Mahomes doesn't need to run the ball like Lamar Jackson. You know, the, the only running he should be doing is, is little scampers to pick up the, you know, a first down or, you know, his escapability, moving the pocket, uh, escaping from a sack potentially, uh, you know, to, to get some guys open, give himself some time. But I mean, that's, that's all they have to do. Comparing them is really isn't fair. Um, you, if you're going to compare anyone, it should be Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, um, or, or Aaron Rodgers and, and Pat Mahomes, because they play similar, you know, um, they both have, I mean, similar, you know, styles of play at least. And, uh, so comparing them against each other was kind of a mute point. Honestly, it was a fun game to watch. It it went how we thought it would, but, uh, I mean, it's not really a quarterback comparison. Mahomes is clearly the better quarterback. There's no question about that. So another thing I noticed, you know, I hate, I hated in this game was, uh, John Harbaugh's just decisions he made. I mean, they went for it on fourth down pretty much every single time they had a fourth down. I don't know if it was arrogance or if they thought they needed to score that many points. Went for two, three times in the game. Didn't get any of them. So, I, you know, I thought he kind of put the Ravens at a disadvantage from the get-go. I mean, Harbaugh lost the game for the Ravens. Like, if, if we're – I mean, the Chiefs had a great game, but, but, but Harbaugh lost, lost the Ravens the game. I mean – uh, if, if they just kick, if they just kick extra points in those three scenarios, they're within, you know, they're within a game winning field goal of beating the chiefs at the end. Exactly. Uh, all they would have needed was a field, a field goal to win the game. Uh, and then again, going forward on fourth down, given the chiefs, you know, decent field position on some of them. Um, I mean, it, 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 it was just bad coaching. 
um, bad. And, and I don't know if it was arrogance. It was just, I think they did feel they needed to score as many points as possible, but you know, don't just get, you know, you can't afford to give, uh, you can't afford to give the chiefs points. It was, it was similar to, uh, you know, moving to college football. It was like Texas against LSU in week two, uh, you know, Texas, you know, the, some of their play calling is what cost them the game. They should have won the game. They they had that inside the five-yard line uh, twice in the first quarter, went forward on fourth down both times, and they basically just ran quarterback, you know, draws every single time. Um, and so, I mean, they it, it was just bad play calling cost them the game, bad play calling cost the Ravens the game. Uh, that's just how it is. And one thing I always hear from good coaches is you don't want to chase points. So they had seven. There was a penalty. They took the point off the board, went for two because they were a yard closer, didn't get it. They're automatically behind a point. Chiefs go down, score a touchdown, 7-6 game. The next touchdown they score, they got to go for two to try to get that point back. They don't get it. Now all of a sudden they're down two points when the Chiefs score another touchdown, and then the Chiefs just obviously pulled away at that point. But from that point on, he forced himself into having to go for two. Again, it was just it was just bad decision-making. And, again, I don't, I don't really know if it's arrogance. It may be arrogance. Uh uh, uh, you know, his brother, you know, Jim is, is a pretty arrogant guy. So John may have that same arrogance, I guess, but I feel like uh, the way that they were running the football, they just thought that fourth down and anything less than five was an easy make for him. But the yeah. Chiefs proved that that wasn't the case on a lot of times. I mean, it's, it's easy to do. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like when you get inside the red zone, it becomes harder to pass the ball because there's less field to cover. There's only so much you can do. Um, you know, not to keep comparing to, to college football, but, uh, you know, big, you watch big 12 football and, and most of those defensive coordinators, they'll give you the yards and their ideas. We're going to stop you when you get inside, we're going to let you get to the red zone. And then we're going to stop you because you can't do all this stuff. When you get into the red zone, we have a shorter field to cover. We're going to do this, this, and this, and we're going to change it up and we're going to stop you. We're going to hold you to a field goal, maybe even force a turnover. And, uh, and and that's what kind of happens, and that's what happened to the Ravens. I mean, when they got to fourth and you know, when it's first and ten, you don't really know what they're going to do. But when it's fourth and inches, or fourth and a yard, or fourth and two yards, you know they're going to run the ball. You know they're going to run it right at you. It's easy to defend that. Uh, and, and so it was again, it was just bad play calling. Exactly. All right, so let's go to Green Bay, where the Packers beat the Broncos twenty-seven sixteen. Uh, the most interesting thing to me about this game, we talked about it last week. Another week gone, another week with zero sacks from the Broncos D. Uh, I saw a stat pop up. In the last 50 years, no team has started the first three weeks with zero sacks and zero turnovers. Uh, is the Broncos defense really that bad, or is this just kind of a fluke? I, I think it's a fluke. If you look at their stats, I mean, the, the Broncos are ninth uh, ninth in defense and in total yards. I mean, they're not giving up a lot of yards. They're just not making plays. Part of that is the offense. People are it, you know People are running against them. Uh, you look at week one against Oakland, you know, what they do, they got the ball out of Derek Carr's hands. Um, I mean, he, he had a ton of throws, uh, that were just, you know, in that 2.5 or less, uh, range. It was quick release. It was moving people around, uh, you know, keeping the defense off balance. That's what they're doing because they do have, I mean, Bradley Chubb, it, you know, is a great pass rusher. Von Miller's a great pass rusher. They got, they got playmakers on the defense. They're just not teams aren't giving him the opportunity to, to, uh, to make those plays. So, um, I mean, it, it's, I do think it's a fluke. Uh, I don't think they're a bad defense. The stats don't back up that they're a bad defense. They're just not making plays. Yeah. Part of it too. I, I kind of heard from a couple Broncos fans that the play calling on defense is a little questionable at times. I mean, they're pulling what the chiefs had with Bob Sutton last year. So 
you'll have a third and 10. And instead of bringing blitzers, they drop everyone back in coverage, including Miller and Bradley Chubb. And they just bring a few linemen. And it's like, when you do that, it's going to be impossible to get sacks because every time they're in a passing situation, you're dropping everyone back. And that's, uh, you know, the Chiefs still got some sacks because they had some good defensive linemen. But uh, it seems like a lot of the Broncos fans are really upset with Fangio's play calling so far on defense. And it's if you look at their speaking of third down, if you look at their third down, they're they're uh, allowing 40 per 44 percent on third downs. Um, which is is middle of the you know middle to lower side of the pack, uh, not the worst, but not the best. Um, and and so they're they're not they're not getting off the field all the time on third downs. And and again, teams are just they're not giving him that opportunity to to get the sacks. But then you know also their cornerbacks aren't making plays on the ball. Their cornerbacks or linebackers or safeties, uh, you got to force some turnovers when you know they're going to get out of the ball. You know, get the ball out of their hand quick. That's when you got to jump the routes. That's when you got to get in front. You got to stuff them. You got to throw that timing off. And, and they're you know the secondary and the linebackers aren't doing that. They're not helping those pass rushers out. So. Um, I mean, they, 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 again, they got a good defense. They got good players. They're just not making plays. Yep. I agree. All right. So in Arizona, we both picked the Arizona Cardinals to beat the Panthers this week. And Kyle Allen started for the Panthers instead of Cam Newton. He went for 261 and four touchdowns and got the victory over the Panthers or sorry, over the Cardinals. Is Kyle Allen the real deal in Carolina or is their defense just that bad? I think he's he's a real deal backup, honestly. Um, I mean, we t- we talked about what Lamar Jackson did to the Cardinals, and uh, you know Matt Stafford had a great game week one, which Matt Stafford I think is a great quarterback. Um, um, but I mean, the, the Cardinals just they don't have a good defense. Um, they have actually one of the worst defenses in the league, um, especially in terms of of passing yardage and everything, and and uh, and rush, you know, run defense and all that. So, uh, just not a good defense, honestly. It was it was good, uh, it was good to see Allen do that. It was good to see the Panthers get a win. The the coaches, you know, this is a situation of good coaching. The coaches put Kyle Allen in a scenario to win that game and to succeed. Um, they didn't try and make him play like can't, you know, they didn't coach him like they would Cam Newton. Um, they adjusted the playbook to what Kyle Allen could do, and uh, and we saw that reflected. And uh, they also took advantage of a bad defense. So um, I think Kyle Allen solidifying himself as a as a good backup quarterback. But I, I mean, he's not Cam Newton. He's not better than Cam Newton. Um, and I, right now, I don't think that's even an argument or a conversation. Honestly, yeah, I do think it's going to get interesting if he keeps playing this well. I mean, he's the thing about. Cam Newton and his Liz Frank injury that they said he has now, and he could see some significant time missed. Um, he hasn't really seen a hundred percent for a couple of years and they haven't really been that successful for a couple of years. So if they come in, they start winning with Kyle Allen, the fans aren't going to want Cam Newton back. Obviously I agree with you. Kyle Allen's no Cam Newton, but when they look at what Cam Newton's accomplished in the last season and what Kyle Allen's accomplishing now, it's going to bring up that conversation. Yeah, I mean it's it's I, I'm it's good to see Kyle Allen do this. I mean, it's you like to see the success stories. They're they're good. They're fun to watch. Um, you know, similar to Garden Minshew. Um, I mean, if if he keeps playing like this, obviously you got to have that conversation. But if he keeps playing like this, I mean, he's going to be among the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, right. uh, you throw for you throw for that many yards and that many touchdowns every game, you're going to have a pretty you're going to have a pretty darn good season. So. Uh, I mean, I don't expect him to keep playing like that, but I think if, if he can come out and, 
and, you know, keep it in that game management style, make some plays here and there and get the ball to McCaffrey. You know, the Panthers, they have a great defense. They have one of the best defenses in the league. So um, and probably one of the best, one of the three or four best defenders in the league in Luke Keekley. So, uh, I mean, they, they've got some talent again. Um, if the coaches just keep putting Allen in a situation to succeed there, you know, they could win some games. Exactly. It should be fun to watch there too. Yep. All right. So let's go to another quarterback that got his first career win and his first career start. That's Daniel Jones. Um, you and I both thought it was too early to make the switch from Eli Manning, but it's kind of hard to argue that the Giants really looked like a different team with Daniel Jones running the show. Uh, it looked like they were able to move the pocket more, run some bootlegs that Eli couldn't really do, um, and they got two rushing touchdowns from Daniel Jones. Um, so he showed, you know, I don't think anyone's arguing that he's a better athlete than Eli, which just allows, you know, when, when a quarterback's a good athlete and he can roll around and make plays, it makes up for sometimes a, a bad offensive line. So another thing he did, which was interesting, was come back from an 18-point halftime deficit. And I saw the shocking stat pop up. Eli Manning was 0-44 when trailing by 18 points in a game over his career, which to me is just insane when you think about the career he had. So are we feeling any different this week after seeing Jones actually play? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I mean, he, he obviously, he looked great. He looked, I mean, he looked phenomenal, honestly, uh, for the most part, uh, you know, two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. Like you said, he moved the pocket, um, kept some plays alive, made some plays with his legs. Um, you know, he did, he did hold on to the ball a, a little bit too long on some plays. He was still sacked five times. That's still an issue, even with a mobile quarterback, apparently. Uh, so they still have offensive line issues. Um, so I mean, he he obviously looked good, but again, it's it's against you know the, keep bringing it up, but it's it's uh he looked good against you know a mediocre to bad team. Uh, I don't you know the 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 Buccaneers. I mean, their offense. I'll I'll say Jameis Winston looks better this year than he has in a while. Uh, Bruce Arians, I think, is helping him. I mean, he had a good game against against the Giants. They didn't lose that game because of Jameis Winston. Um. But the the defense they were going against outside of Shaq Barrett, I mean, they're you know it's not a good defense. Shaq Barrett's got eight sacks in three games. I mean, he's on a pretty great pay, uh, pace, honestly. Um, but they just, I mean, it's not a good defense overall, though. Well, there was some bad news for the Giants coming out of this game, and and that's the Saquon Barkley went down with a high ankle sprain, and it seems like he's going to be out of action for possibly up to eight weeks. So we know they're better at. at quarterback with Daniel Jones a little bit, but now they've lost Saquon Barkley. How does this offense look going forward? Um, I mean, it could be a blessing in disguise, honestly, because now they don't have Daniel Jones isn't going to have a crutch to lean on. You know, before it was, you know, they could just give it to Saquon, you know, hand it to Saquon, throw it to Saquon, get Saquon out in the open. Uh, now he's not going to have that crutch. I mean, Daniel Jones is going to have to make some plays by himself. He's going to have to, again, he's going to have to move the pocket, make some plays with his legs, make some throws. Uh, he's going to have to do that kind of, that kind of stuff. And, and so it, it could turn out, it's going to hurt him obviously, but it could be a blessing in disguise in the long run, because if he can maintain and progress and, and make, you know, get the, get a little bit better week to week. And then all of a sudden, you know, come week 10, week 11, he gets, you know, Saquon Barkley, who's arguably, you know, the best running back in football. Uh, you know, that's just going to be, that's just going to help him that much more at that point. He's going to have half a season under his belt of starting by that point. 
And uh, so it's just going to, to me, it's, it's going to, it's going to be a blessing in disguise, honestly, I think. And remember, he also gets golden tape back after week four. So he's going to yeah. get a couple key pieces coming back throughout the season that could really, you know, if he could string some games together, they might be able to make a push for a wild card towards the end of the season, depending on how their offense steps up. I mean, they they need defense needs to play better for sure. But yeah, I mean, the, the offense, again, I think it'll be a blessing in disguise. Uh, but if I mean, again, if they can string some wins together, you know, he is getting some weapons back. So it could be could be fun to watch. Yep. All right. On to yet another new quarterback picking up his first win of the season. And that's Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints. Uh, they traveled to Seattle and beat Seattle 3327. Um has to make Saint fans happy. Uh, they were expecting really to lose every game until Drew Brees got back, and you know, expecting the worst. Uh, does Bridgewater keep the Saints in the playoff picture during the Brees absence? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I said it uh, either last week's episode or or maybe the uh, one of my articles I wrote. Um, but I, I I said I think Bridgewater is going to go three and three. Um, which which to me that's that's going to keep them in the in the race, especially in that that. Uh, uh, that South division where the Panthers aren't playing well and the, the uh, Buccaneers aren't playing well and things like that. Uh, I think it's, it, that'll keep them in the race at least. Um, but, uh, and the Falcons aren't playing well. So I think if he can go three and three over this, this stretch of games that Drew Brees is expected to miss, I think he's going to be fine. Uh, I think the team's going to be fine. Um, I mean, he, he looked good overall. I mean, he, you could tell he was rusty, he missed some throws, um completion percentage wasn't amazing it wasn't off the charts but i mean he did make some plays made some plays with his legs they still rotated Taysom hill in to you know kind of do that that uh wildcat style offense a little bit but uh i mean i think they i think they look good i think he's gonna go three and three i still stand by that so yeah yeah i think he keeps him in there too all right so now let's take a look at the chargers versus the texans uh you know, I hate to say this again, but just like I've been saying all season, the Chargers can't win in the early season. And I know this one, a lot of it's due with their injuries, but I mean, it still comes down to Philip Rivers had the ball with a chance to win the game or tie the game, and he fell short on the last last series. So Texans took this one 27-20, and I, I do fully expect the Chargers to get things squared away and make a push late season like they always do, but I think it's just another Chargers early season struggle. What do you think? I, I think so, but I, I think the the issue they're having is they're not they're not getting a consistent run game, and, and it kind of comes down to Melvin Gordon, uh, you know Austin Eckler and and Jackson and stuff. I mean they've sh- shown flashes; they've looked great at times, honestly. But this last game, you know Eckler had, I think he only had nine attempts for thirty six yards, um, you know, and and it's they're just not they're not getting a consistent run game right now. They're uh, they're thirteenth in the league in rushing, which looks better than it than it really is. I mean, that's mainly because of Week One where they had a big game, um, but they're they're just not getting these last couple weeks. They're not getting a consistent run game, um, and it's it's make it's going to make it hard for for them to to pass the ball down the line if it keeps up. I mean, they Eckler, like I said, he's looked good. Jackson's looked good, but they they need Melvin Gordon is what they need, uh, and then they obviously need Derwin James back and some other guys. They they do have some injuries, obviously, but. Uh, I, I, I do think it's the typical early season struggle, but I think that's caused by their lack of running game. Well, part of that to me seems like a little bit of coaching because when you, you do that math, nine, nine attempts for 36 yards, you're averaging four yards a carry, but no running back's going to get going on nine carries. So yeah. it, it could be uh, maybe they're split it up too much. Austin Eckler had a heck of a start to the season. 
So maybe they just need to feed him a little bit more. I think they're, they always seem to do this by putting too much on Phillip Rivers and, you know, he needs supportive run game. And I, I agree with you that the run game needs to be going, but I think they could do it without Melvin Gordon, but it's going to take a whole heck of a lot more than nine carries from their starter. Yeah, I yeah, I 100% agree on that. All right, so on Sunday night football, Baker Mayfield and the Browns fell to the Rams. Um, you know, I've, I haven't been shy of saying this, but I've thought the Browns were overrated all year long, and this just goes to show you that it really doesn't matter how much talent you pack into a team if your quarterback isn't playing good and you have bad coaching. And those things were both on full display Sunday night. Um, Baker Mayfield way too often bailed on a clean pocket and held the ball too long. You know, he'd snap the football, and before anyone even got to him, he'd be rolling out to one side, which cuts half the target, you know, half the field away. So he's taking away some of his stuff. Um, he's consistently making bad throws, trying to force the ball to Odell Beckham instead of taking the check down. And it's not just this week. He's been doing it all season. So, And then on the coach side, I'm just going to bluntly say this. Freddie Kitchens is not a good coach, and that was a terrible hire from the get-go. I mean, the man ran a draw play on fourth and nine with the game on the line. I mean, it's one of the worst play calls I've ever seen. What do you make of this Browns team right now? I, I think it's a lack of identity is what it is. Uh, they don't know who they are or who they want to be. Um, they've got these great players, but they're not using them the way they should be used. I mean, they've got Nick Chubb at running back, um, who to me, I, I think Nick Chubb is a, is a top 10 running back in the league, honestly, uh, but they're 25th in rushing. Uh, they're not, they're not giving him enough attempts. And when they do, they're making it too obvious. It's basically just handed off up the middle against an eight man box. Uh, like you said, Baker Mayfield, he's, he, his arrogance is getting to him. I mean, he's, he's one of, I mean, honestly, he's probably the, the most arrogant quarterback, you know, at least publicly that I've seen in a while. Um, and I mean, he's making these throws, he's attempting these throws that he, that he's not able to make and he's forcing the ball here and there. And instead of taking, you know, sometimes you got to take that check down play. Sometimes it's better to, to pick up four or five yards than risk an interception, throwing it 20 yards downfield. Uh, and, and like you said, I, I think kitchens, I mean, they, it was an impulse hire. They went based off of eight games or nine games last year, whatever it was after they fired, uh, Hugh Jackson. And, uh, it was an impulse hire and you know you're talking about a guy that he wasn't even the offensive coordinator to start last year he was promoted to offensive coordinator uh after jackson was fired and then he became offensive coordinator and then over half a season became the head coach basically so uh i i don't think i think he's a good coach i don't think he's a good head coach he's not making good decisions and uh and again they just they don't have any identity i mean a draw play on fourth and nine has to be one of the lowest percentage conversions you can get i mean fourth and nine i could maybe see if you're on say the opponent's 30 yard line and it's the first quarter and you're up a touchdown maybe but when you're driving to win the game and on fourth and nine you hand it off of the middle i mean that is ridiculous i mean to me a a, a draw play I, I really any any in any situation like that is a bad play no matter what uh, you know, I run a draw play on, on second and seven when they think it's a passing down, you know, that's when you run a draw yeah. play or if it's third and 17 and you're, you're inside your 10 yard line and you know, you know that they're going to be, you know, ears pinned back, coming back for the quarterback, or, you know, that they're going to be dropping everyone back, run a draw play then, uh, just to gain, just to gain some yards for your punter, you know, to gain a little bit of field position, maybe you gain five, 10 yards on third and 17, 
that's okay. Run draw plays. Then you don't run it on fourth and nine with the game on the line. It was, it was a terrible call. Uh, Kitchens himself admitted that he said it was a bad call. Uh, didn't say why he made it. didn't really say why he made the call. I mean, he, he said he said he felt like it was the right decision at the time, but looking back, he realizes it wasn't. But I don't know what made him think it was a good situation, you know, or a good idea. Uh, it wasn't a good idea. Yeah, you, the general rule of thumb is always, you know, as a quarterback, you tell your receivers don't run anywhere short of the first down on fourth down. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Even to throw out in the flats on fourth down doesn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, what makes sense is you snap the football and all your receivers get past that nine yards, and then you throw it to one of them. That's the only. That's the highest chance you're going to complete it because the way teams play it, they basically make a line at at the line to gain, and they'll let you catch it anywhere underneath, and then they'll just run and tackle. So when you think about that, and then you hand off the ball, everyone's already on the nine yard, or you know, the nine yard to gain. They just come rushing in and tackle the running back. Game over. I mean. To me, this is elementary coaching, and yeah, he can say it's a bad call all he wants, but why would he make it? <laughs> and and honestly, I, I would love to. I would have. I would love to hear what was said in that huddle whenever that play call came in. Uh, you know what? What did the players think? Because you know they had to be going. This guy's crazy. What is he doing? Yeah, at first I thought that maybe they thought it was third down. I I literally couldn't explain it. I thought okay, maybe they thought that was third down. And they screwed up, but apparently not. It was it, again. I, I don't think that they have an identity. They have this great running back. They have another great running back waiting to come back in a few, you know, in a month. And uh, you know, when they get those two guys back, I mean, they they should be running the ball thirty-five times a game, if not more. Uh, yeah, and I you, think I think they kind of killed that when they signed Odell Beckham to go with Jarvis Landry. There's too many mouths to feed, plus the fact that you kind of hit on the arrogance of Baker Mayfield. He doesn't want to run the ball 35. He wants to throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. He wants yeah. to be Mahomes and it's just not, he can't do it. Yeah. Well, and, and I said it before the season, it, it was, you know, we, I think we both picked uh, the Browns to win the division, but we also said if, if they struggle early, that their egos are going to tear this team down because like you, you know, like I said, Baker Mayfield's got an ego. He wants to throw the ball. Uh, Odell Beckham, he's got the ego. He wants to catch the ball. He wants to have 10 catches and 150 yards and two touchdowns every single game. But you know Jarvis Landry wants the ball, and Nick Chubb wants the ball, and Njoku wants the ball, and Kareem Hunt's going to want the ball when he comes back. And, you know, they got to be willing to sacrifice, you know, that those numbers to to win the games. And and right now they're they don't appear to be willing to do that yet. And Freddie Kitchens, you know, he act he acted tough uh in, in training camp and stuff, you know, threatening coaches. Uh, saying that they'd be fired if they if any news leaks come out or threatening players for you know saying they'll be released if anything happens and right now it looks like he's just kind of you know bending the knee essentially to uh, to what the players want the the players want to throw the ball they want to get these stats and he's allowing them to do it so uh, he puts on a tough face but in reality he's not a tough coach so they need exactly. to find an they, they got to find an identity the Brown Circus will definitely be one to watch this year yeah, for sure. All right, so in our last game we're going to highlight this is a Monday night game. Um, Case Keenum struggled against a, a really good Bears defense. Um, with the wave of all these new quarterbacks getting the start, is it is Washington going to look at Dwayne Haskins soon? I think so because they have nothing to lose at this point. I think they were playing it safe with Case Keenum, and and really, you look at the first two games of the season. Uh, I know he struggled this, you know, on on Monday Night Football, but. They didn't lose those first two games because of Case Keenum. Case Keenum actually played well. It's the defense that's underperformed. 
um, they, they got playmakers on defense and and kind of, you know, not even like the Broncos. The Broncos are their defense is playing well. They're just not making the big plays. But the the uh, Redskins, they have playmakers, but they're giving up huge plays and they're not making any plays, really. So, uh, I mean, they're not losing because of Case Keenum outside. of I mean, Monday they did, but uh, I think they're going to switch to Haskins just because they got nothing to lose at this point. You know, they're not going to make the playoffs and. And they might as well get Haskins the reps, and and uh, it seems to be the popular thing right now. And John Gruden's trying to save his job, so you know he's he kind of has a bit of a built-in excuse, you know, with with uh, if Haskins struggles and the team struggles, you could say, well, hey, I'm starting a rookie quarterback. I told you he wasn't ready, so this is on you guys, not me. Yeah, and it does sound like out of Washington that, that they don't think he's ready, but. When you look at like what Kyle Allen's doing, what Gardner Minshew's doing, Kyler Murray, I don't think that they're gonna. I think Case Keenum right now has the shortest leash of any NFL quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I think of the ones left. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I think they're gonna they're gonna start him this next week. I, I I'd almost put money on it. Um, but I, I I don't believe he's ready. But I think that's what they're gonna do because they really got nothing to lose at this point. So they might as well get him the reps. Absolutely. So another thing I want to point out in this game, and this is kind of a personal gripe for me, but the Bears were my preseason Super Bowl favorite in the NFC. Um, after three weeks, Mitch Trubisky to me looks like he's taking the role of game manager at best, and I I don't think they they can win a Super Bowl with a game manager. When I think of that happening for the Bears, I think of Rex Grossman. I mean, Trubisky needs to somehow step up his game. So the defense doesn't have to carry him every week. I mean, they he had a decent game last night, but otherwise this season he's been nothing. I mean, he's he's done nothing for this offense that for whatever reason last year was so powerful. Now it's it's the defense is carrying him and he's doing just enough to squeak out a couple wins. So what do you think about the Bears? I I mean, Trubisky, obviously, he hasn't played as well as he did last year, but I, I put the blame on Matt Nagy on this one. It's the play calling. Um, you look, you look at last year, um, uh, Mitch Trubisky ran the ball 68 times for, for 420 yards, three touchdowns throughout the season through three games right now. He's got five rushing attempts for 21 yards. That's it. So they're not using his running ability to move the pocket, to, to clear some passing lanes, to, to bring the defense up. They're not using that. They're, they're making him a pocket passer, and that's not what he is at the moment. He needs, he needs to move. He needs to make decisions. He himself, he said he, he prefers to throw the ball on the run because it, it feels like he's you know playing in the backyard. He's playing playground football, and he feels like that's where he succeeds the best, and they're not letting him do that. They're, they're trying to make him be Tom Brady, and they're trying to make him be Peyton Manning and, and uh, you know, Eli Manning in his prime. And, you know, these, these guys, you know, and that's not what he is. Uh, you know, he's, he's closer to Aaron Rodgers. He's closer to Pat Mahomes. You know, those guys, uh, Brett Favre, uh, those are the guys that, you know, the guys that could move and run and throw, you know, uh, sling it downfield on the run. Like that's what they need to do. And if, if the defense doesn't come up, he's fast enough. He's going to create some plays with his legs. He, he had some great plays with his legs last year. So, uh, I, I put it really on, on Matt Nagy. He's not, he's not doing a good job coaching this year. I think he's co- out coaching himself, honestly, on offense. Yeah, and it's one of those things. It's hard to figure out why because they've got a playmaker, Tariq Cohen. They've got good running backs. They've got solid wide receivers. Mr. Bisky's shown he has the skill. So why all of a sudden they're coming out running this conservative offense and just letting the defense do their thing? I, to me, I don't get it because when they're that high-flying offense, the Bears looked like the best team in the NFL last year. I mean, they knocked off the Rams. They knocked off a lot of really good teams last year. 
this year, it doesn't look like they're equipped to do that at all. And, and, and again, look at, look at Trubisky. It's, you know, last year, uh, again, you know, he played 14 games last year. He was knocked out of one of them early, but he, he threw 24 touchdowns and, and right around 3,300 yards. So if he would have played an entire season, you're talking about a guy that's around 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns for the season. You know, that's a, that's a pretty good season. That's a playmaking quarterback right there. And, and they're not letting him in. And that's adding on top of, like I said, the 420 yards and three touchdowns that he had. Um, you know, you're probably at that pace, probably talking 500 yards rushing and four touchdowns and they're, but they're not letting him do it. They're not, they're not letting him play how he should play. And, uh, again, it's, it's to me, this falls on Matt Nagy, not, not, not as much Mitchell Trubisky or, or the offense. It's Matt Nagy. Well, the good news for bears fans is they're still in a pretty good place right now, two and one. So, I mean, this looks like it's going to be a tough division. Packers are three and oh. Uh, the Lions are two zero and one, so it's a and the Vikings obviously it, it, they're two and one really good. So it's gonna be a tough division. They really need to start getting this on the correct path, and there is time to fix it, but they need to do it quick. Yeah, for sure. All right, so now it's time to play our pick'em game. Uh, let's see where we stand after week three. Um, last week I went twelve and four. You went ten and six. That means that on the season I'm thirty seventeen and one. And you're 31, 16, and one, and holding on to a slim one game lead over me. How are you feeling about picks after week three? A little improvement over week two, but I want to get back to how I was week one, obviously. That was a fluke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's dive into week four. This ought to be fun. So, Thursday night football, we've got the struggling Eagles taking on the undefeated Packers at Lambeau Field. Who do you got? I'm I'm going Packers on this. I think their defense is too too their defense is playing too good, honestly, too well. And uh, the Eagles, they I mean, there was a play uh, this last game. The the Eagles' offensive line literally stopped blocking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I, there, there, yeah, there's some issues in in Philadelphia for whatever reason, and they're not playing well. And I I think the Packers take this one. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think the Packers probably win this one big. I mean, the Eagles they've been struggling, and they've. Last week they had a lot of offensive playmakers out. This week they get a couple of them back, but they're still dinged up. Um, I think their offensive line hasn't been playing very well. Carson Wentz has been taking a lot of hits. Uh, Packers have one of the best defenses so far this year, so I got the Packers taking it pretty big. All right, so let's go to another game. Coming off a big loss on Monday night, we've got the Redskins taking on Daniel Jones and the Giants. Who do you got? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm actually going to go, uh, Redskins on this one. Um, I, I think they're going to make the change, but I mean, the giants, it was nice to see him win, but they're still not a good team. Uh, they're still missing Saquon Barkley and it's, you know, Daniel Jones had a, a great second half, but, um, uh, you know, again, like I said, the Redskins have some playmakers on that defense. They just haven't been playing very well. So, uh, uh, I think Landon Collins is going to be looking for some revenge on on the Giants. He didn't have a very good time in in New York, honestly. So uh, I think he's looking to play well against his former team. I think uh, uh, Haskins, you know, if Haskins plays or not, I, I think the Redskins are taking this one. I'm going to take the Giants in this one. I'm going to take him in a close one, though. I think that these are two teams that aren't the most talented teams in the league right now. I think Daniel Jones being able to move the pocket, make some plays with his leg, even with Saquon Barkley out, I think that the Giants will be able to pull this off by maybe a field goal. All right, and what should be a really good game, the 3-0 and Chiefs travel to Detroit to battle the 2-0-1 Lions. Who do you got? 
I go with the Chiefs on this one. They again, they're too talented. Um, the Lions are having a great season. It's it's been fun to watch them. Uh, I, I think the Lions are going to run the ball really well against them. Uh, I think Carryon Johnson's going to have a big day for the Lions. Uh, I think Matt Stafford's going to have a big day, but it, they're not going to be able to keep up with the Chiefs' offense, honestly. So uh, I'm I'm going Chiefs. Yeah, and word on the street is that. Darius Slay might miss the game for the Lions. That secondary is kind of banged up. Uh, you know, even if the secondary was completely healthy, I don't think they could slow Mahomes down. So I'm definitely taking the Chiefs in this one to win big over the Lions. All right. So the Titans and Falcons both coming off losses. Meet in Atlanta. Who do you got? Going, uh, I'm going the Falcons on this one. I mean, it's like you said earlier, we kind of fall in these traps where we think they're going to win and then they lose and we think they're going to lose and they're, they end up winning. I think this is a game. A lot of people are going to pick the Titans again or in, and, uh, I, I think the Falcons pull this one off. I think the, this is a potential turnaround win for him. Yeah. I'm going to keep the up down trend. I mean, Falcons lost week one, one week, two lost week three. I think they bounce back win week four, uh, on paper, to me, this is a game the Falcons should easily win. <laughs> so I'm going to say that they're going to get a close win. Uh, the Falcon or the Titans are really not a bad team, uh, but I think the Falcons win a close one. Yeah. All right. So we talked about the Browns. They're coming off their primetime loss to the Rams, and they're traveling to Baltimore to take on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Who do you got? Uh, I'm I'm going Baltimore on this one, and I'm I'm mainly basing it off the the health of the secondary in Cleveland. I mean, one one thing I'll say people haven't talked about is the entire secondary, the entire starting secondary of Cleveland was injured and out of that game on Monday night, going against one of the best offenses in the NFL. Uh, and and a lot of people aren't really bringing that up; they're blaming the offense. But uh, you know that made it real easy for the Rams to have some big plays in that game. So. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson, honestly, I think if that's the case again and they all miss the game again, I think Lamar Jackson has a big game. Mark Ingram has a big game. Uh, And, you know, that Baltimore defense is pretty talented. And like I said, the offense for uh, Cleveland has no identity. And uh, I think that sets up perfectly for Baltimore to win this one. Yeah, I'm taking Baltimore as well. We kind of discussed some of what we think is wrong with the Browns with their play calling and the play of Baker Mayfield right now. And what I really focus on is that Baltimore defense in that Chiefs game, it looked bad, but, I mean, it it's the Chiefs receivers and Mahomes that really did that. They put pressure on Mahomes. They hit him a lot. Uh, they made him uncomfortable in the pocket, made him roll out. I think that pressure on Baker Mayfield is going to be too much, and he struggled with a clean pocket, bailing on it too early. I can't imagine when they've got Judon coming off the side and getting big hits on Baker Mayfield. I think the Ravens' defense takes control of this game. Yeah, for sure. All right, so after week one, the Raiders kind of fell back to earth and they've been struggling since. This time they're traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. We're coming off a big win against the Falcons. Who do you got in this one? I'm going I'm going the Colts on this one. I, I, Jacoby Briss has been playing well. Uh, Marlon Mack is, has been playing well. He's averaging right around 100 yards a game uh, running the football. And, and the Colts have, I mean, the defense, you know, they still got a good defense. So I think they're going to take this one. Yeah, I'm with you. The Colts on this one, uh, their offensive line is is just really dominant with Quentin Nelson and some of these guys on there. The Raiders don't have enough talent on defense and really enough talent on offense. Uh, Josh Jacobs is a great running back. I think he's a good up-and-coming running back, but I've got the Colts on this one. Yeah. All right, so this is one of the games I'm looking forward to the most this weekend. 
It's a great division matchup between the three and O bills and the three and O Patriots in Buffalo. Who do you got? I'm going Patriots. Um, I think it's going to be close because of some injuries to, uh, to the Patriots. Um, uh, with Edelman being out, they released Antonio Brown. Obviously, they're a little banged up, <clears throat> missing some pieces. So I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than some people may may uh, think. But uh, I mean, the Patriots are still the Patriots, so uh, I, I'm still going with them. I'm going to take the upset. I'm going Bills here. Um, we kind of talked off air right before the show here. I feel like the Patriots they seem dominant, but I feel like it's misleading. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple stats down here real quick. The Patriots won against the Dolphins, who were the 32nd-ranked offense and the 32nd-ranked defense. The Steelers were 29th-ranked offense or defense and 27th-ranked offense. And the Jets were 21st-ranked defense and 31st-ranked offense. So they've beat three of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, Granted, the Bills' schedule hasn't been much harder, but I feel like in Buffalo, Julian Edelman's out. Um, their fullback is out, so their run game is going to struggle a little bit. I think the Bills pull this one off in an upset. Yeah, it's going to be close, but uh, yeah, it's, it should be a fun game to watch. Yeah, I can't wait. All right, so and this one's going to be interesting. Kyle Allen and the Panthers travel to Houston to take on the Texans. Who do you got? I'm going the Texans in this one. I think it's going to be a bit of a wake-up call for for Kyle Allen. Um, it's a little bit different story when you have uh, – you got JJ Watt, Whitney Merciless tracking you down. Uh, on the flip side, you got, you know, great receiving core. You got to defend. You got Deshaun Watson. You have to defend. He made some incredible plays against the Chargers. Uh, and as, like I said, those uh, uh, receivers are, are, I mean, extremely talented. Carlos Hyde's been running the ball extremely well. Uh, Johnson's been catching the ball pretty well out of the backfield. So I think uh, just overall balance with that team is going to be too much for the Panthers. I think this game is going to be closer than we think, but I am going to take the Texans. Um, you know, they've kind of been playing to their competition this year. They almost lost to the Jags. And, you know, obviously they they beat the Chargers by a touchdown, but I think they're just going to be too much for Kyle Allen and the Panthers to handle. So I'm going to take the Texans, but in a close one. All right. Speaking of the Chargers, they get this week's playable bye week, a.k.a. the Miami Dolphins. Who do you got? <laughs> uh, with a huge upset, I'm going with the Chargers. Okay, uh, yeah. So I'm going. I'm going the Chargers on this one. Uh, I expect Rivers to have a huge day. I expect Keenan Allen to have a huge day. Uh, if they give Eckler the opportunity, I expect Eckler to have a, a big day. Um, again, they got to give him the ball though. Um, I, I think that it's going to be another blowout. Probably another twenty. 20 point loss for the uh for the dolphins so um might be able to make some plays on on offense though with uh with uh, the chargers being pretty banged up on defense they may be able to score a little you know maybe maybe hit that two touchdown mark uh, in this game so we'll see i've said it all year in the offseason that the chargers start slow this may be the cure to that i mean getting to go against the worst defense and the worst offense on the same week uh, I obviously think the Chargers win big, and I think it's going to be this is a, a good time in the schedule for them to play the Dolphins because they need a win now more than anything. Because if the Chiefs win again and they lose again, it's going to be an uphill battle to get that to to compete for the division title. So uh, it's a much needed kind of break in the schedule for the Chargers. Yeah, for sure. 
All right. Now we got the Rams hosting the struggling Bucks in Los Angeles. Who do you got? Again, going with the Rams, it's it's too much talent. Um, I think it's gonna be closer than some people think. Uh like I said earlier, Shaq Barrett's having an unbelievable start to the season, eight sacks um through three games. He only had three all of last season. Uh so he's playing out of his mind, looks unblockable. Uh Jameis Winston, again, he he's playing well. They're not losing because of Jameis Winston. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the Rams, they are the defending NFC champions. They've, they've won some games pretty big. They've they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. Uh, they won the tough games. So I, I think they're going to take this one. I, I do believe it's going to be closer than people think, but, uh, the Rams are going to take it. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Exactly. To me, the Rams haven't looked that impressive this year. You know, they've kind of been with like the Texans they are playing up and down to their opponents. So, uh, you know, the Rams, didn't look particularly good against the the Browns. Jared Goff threw two picks, didn't really look that comfortable. But I do think that they beat the Bucks in Los Angeles for sure by a touchdown. All right, now we got an NFC West showdown between Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. Seahawks in Arizona. Who do you got? I'm going Seahawks. I think they're going to be looking to bounce back from that that loss to the Saints. Um, and, and and again, we we discussed earlier the the Arizona defense just looks bad I mean they've been carved up all season uh they I mean Russell Wilson I expect to have a big day uh Lockett uh DK Metcalf all those guys Carson um I expect these I expect Seattle to have a big day on offense um I expect them to put up 30 points uh it should be a fun game though I mean you're talking two mobile quarterbacks that like to run a lot and like to yeah, throw I got on the, the Seahawks too I think uh, should be a fun you know, game Kyler Murray watch, puts up a I lot of yards he doesn't really get into the end zone too much I think he will score a couple touchdowns this week but I think uh that Russell Wilson and that Seahawks running game is going to be a little bit too much for the Cardinals defense at this point so I got the Cardinals losing to the Seahawks all right, now let's go on to a strong NFC North showdown. The Vikings travel to Chicago to take on the Bears. Who do you got? I'm 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 going uh I'm going the Vikings on this one, honestly. Um I think the defenses are are evenly matched, but uh the offense, like I mean, we, we said it earlier. I, I think the the strength of these two teams is running the ball and 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 those kind of plays, and and the Vikings are doing that better. Uh, I think they're, you know, they're they're calling the game better. Matt Nagy, like I said, he's been out coaching himself, really. So uh, until they get that fixed, you know, it looks like they fixed it a little bit on Monday night, but they were going against a bad team. Uh, but yeah, I'm going the Vikings on this one. I think they're going to take it. It's going to be a close game. I I, I think uh, both teams are going to be in the high teens to low twenties. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game, but uh, I think the Vikings take this one. Yeah, this one's one of the harder ones to pick this week. I feel like it's going to be a defensive slugfest because really both the teams are mirroring each other. Vikings have a great defense and a mediocre offense. Chicago has a great defense, mediocre offense. Uh, But just like you kind of said, I give the running game the benefit with Dalvin Cook because he's just running like crazy this this year. So I got the Vikings winning a a close, low-scoring game. All right. So here's the question. Can the Broncos finally get their first win when Gardner Minshew and the Jags come to town? Uh, I think this is going to be a close game. Uh, I'm going with uh, with the Jaguars on this one. I'm jumping on that, that Minshew train a little bit. Uh, I think the defenses are pretty evenly matched, but the, the Jags offense is playing better uh, than the Broncos offense at the moment, so i got to give the edge to them. But 
again, I think it's going to be a bit of a, a slugfest a little bit, uh, but I, I'm giving it to the Jags. Yeah, I'm going Jags too. I like uh, the, the Gardner Minshew DJ chart connection has been working really well this year. Leonard Fournette can pound the ball still. Uh, the defense plays really well, so they're top 10 defense right now. I'm going Jags over the Broncos. Yeah. All right, Sunday night football. We get what could have been a potential NFC championship preview as the Cowboys travel to New Orleans to take on the Saints. No Drew Brees, but should still be a fun one. Who do you got? I'm going with the Cowboys on this one. I mean, they've they've done what they were supposed to do this season. They've played <clears throat> they've played three bad teams, but they've they've handedly beat all three teams. They haven't stroked. They you know we've talked about some teams playing down and up to their competition. The Cowboys have throttled all three bad teams. They haven't let any team sneak up on them. Uh, they've done what they were supposed to do. Uh, I, I'm I think they continue that pace. The defense looks great. The offense looks. They're killing more. The offense. You know, I think they've scored the third or fourth most points in the league this year. Uh, their passing, you know, their passing game is is in the top five. Their running games in the top five. Uh, I mean, they've just they've looked great overall. Um, and and uh, I I think that they're going to be able to take advantage of Drew Brees not being there. The Seahawks didn't do it. I think the Cowboys do. Uh, they're going to take advantage of Teddy Bridgewater. I think they're gonna they're gonna rough him up a little bit. I think the secondary makes some plays off of that. Uh, I think they run the ball really well. Uh, Zeke's had over 100 yards each of the last two games. And uh, Tony Pollard uh, is coming in. He had a 16-yard touchdown this last game. Like I said, Dak is playing out of his mind right now. Uh, Amari Cooper is as well. So I think the Cowboys take this one. Yeah, I'm I'm on that one too. To me, when you look at what they did to the Saints last year, and then you take the fact that Drew Brees isn't there, even though the Cowboys haven't played the strongest opponents this week or this uh, season so far, I still think that they can beat the Saints. I, I think it'll be a, probably a 10 point game, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. On Monday night, we get what I like to call a snoozer of a game in the AFC North when the Bengals travel to Pittsburgh to take on Kyle Rudolph and the Steelers. Who do you got? I'm going I'm going the Bengals on this one. I think they have the, you know, right now both defenses are bad. Um, so again, it's coming down to who has the better offense. I think the Bengals have the better offense. Um, I don't think they've really lost this season because of the offense. Um, I think it's been the defense has has just killed them this season. Uh so I'm going the Bengals on this one. I expect John Ross to have a huge game. Uh Tyler Boyd, um, Tyler Eifert, Andy Dalton. I expect those guys to to, to all put up some big numbers this week. Uh, I do think Mason Rudolph's going to play well. I think it'll be a close game, but, you know, maybe that 27-21 kind of game. Um, but I'm giving it to the Bengals. Yeah, I'm actually going to go Bengals, too. Uh, you know, I heard a report today, Vance McDonald for the Steelers had an arm sling on, and they're not really expecting him to play. And I actually just got a notification that they traded for another tight end, uh, you know, a third-round pick tight end from somewhere else. Still kind of a no-name guy, but... I think the Steelers' offense is going to struggle, and and like you said, I mean the Bengals' defense is not good by any means, but their offense should be quite a bit better. So I'm going Bengals as well. Yeah. All right, that wraps up our picks for Week Four. Let's go over some college football before uh, we end this thing here. What do you think of Week Four of the college football season? Uh, I mean, I thought there was some some really good stuff out there. Uh, you know, USC. Um, uh, upset number 10, Utah, uh, USC playing with their third string quarterback right now, uh, Matt Fink, but the, I mean, the kid played out of his mind, uh, 350 yards, three touchdowns. 
uh, you know, Georgia um, playing Notre Dame at home. Um, what, you know, honestly could, I mean, it, that's a, a playoff matchup, honestly. Uh, but Georgia, you know, Georgia defended their home turf. They held off Notre Dame uh, 23-17. Uh, Auburn, same thing with uh, against Texas A&M. They're playing in College Station. Uh, Texas A&M made it close late, but, you know, Auburn did what they needed to do. Um, uh, Wisconsin, you know, that was a game we talked about last week being a, you know, that's a huge game in Wisconsin, you know, just throttled, throttled. Yeah, uh, I'd like to point out that you heard it here first. We both said last week, we saw Wisconsin winning big over Michigan and they did just that. Yeah. I mean, it was Jonathan Taylor in the first, you know, the first quarter had 140 yards and two touchdowns. He got hurt in that game and still ran for 200 yards. Uh, I mean, that, that was a, I mean, Wisconsin's a, a for real team. I feel sorry for anyone that has to play them because they got a great defense. They got a great offense. And what's what's changed this year, what I think is different this year than other years, is they can throw the ball. Um, and in past years, they've had the great defense, they've had the great running games, but they haven't really had great quarterback play. This year, they they can throw the ball. And uh, and that's showing right now. Um uh, but yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm gonna make a bold statement right here. I think Wisconsin to me is going to win the national championship. To me, they look like the most complete team. And I know we've got Alabama and Ohio State, but they've got a dominant defense. They've got great wide receivers. They obviously have probably the best running game in all of NCAA. Their offensive line, just they look like men among boys. And the interesting fact I saw during the game, every single one of them and all of their backups from the state of Wisconsin. So they're all homegrown, just big mauler offensive linemen. Their quarterback, not only could he throw, but he made some plays with his legs, too. I mean, I really do think that Wisconsin, to me, is my favorite to win the whole thing this year. It's a, that's a bold statement, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. And that hurts coming from you know a Husker fan who actually has tickets to see Wisconsin play Nebraska. But I, I'm saying it right now. I, I feel like they can beat an Alabama team if given the chance. Again, that's a bold statement. We'll see if, uh, <laughs> we'll, if it pays off, Cotton. Uh, but yeah, move, moving on. I mean, we had uh, uh, you know Texas, uh, Texas Open Big Twelve play, uh, keeping their playoff hopes alive, beating Oklahoma State. Um, uh, bi- a big win offense uh, again. The the running game they looked unstoppable against Oklahoma State. Ellinger uh, is quietly having. I mean, the, the the guy is putting up numbers that in a lot of years would would be Heisman Trophy style numbers. Uh, he's getting overlooked by some of these other guys that are also putting up great numbers, but. Uh, I mean, Texas, you know, again, going in, doing what they need to do, winning the games, uh, keeping their playoff hopes alive. Uh, and speaking of playoff hopes, uh, UCF, uh, Central Florida's, theirs were basically dashed by losing to Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh ran that trick play, uh, you know, essentially the Philly special uh, to win the game, to beat to beat Central Florida um, at home. So, um, I mean, that was kind of a crushing, crushing defeat a little bit. Uh, guys, this is one of the things that, that Mike's brought up too if you don't watch college football this is why it's so entertaining seeing plays like that and the game just means so much more in college football because UCF one loss they're done because they're not in one of the power five conferences they have to go undefeated and as we saw a couple years ago they could go undefeated and still not get in the playoff so this definitely ended their hopes of making the playoffs and 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 that's one of the reasons to me college football the drama is real every week 
Yeah, and and uh, speaking of trick plays, if, if you got to watch that Texas Oklahoma State game, uh, Texas actually ran a, a, a reverse flea flicker for a touchdown in that game. That was phenomenal to watch. Uh, I mean, you get to see just so many, so many cool things, honestly. And, uh, you know, for the, the people on the, the West Coast in particular or any, you know, if you live anywhere else in the country and you stayed up late, uh, you know, you got to see UCLA and, and Washington State put on, I mean, one of the best offensive displays I've ever seen in my life. Uh, uh, Washington State was up 49 to 17 and uh, UCLA came back and won it 67-63. They had a 32 point comeback. Um, Washington State's quarterback put up Madden style numbers. Anthony Gordon, 570 yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, <laughs> you know, everyone's talking about Tua throwing for 400 yards and five touchdowns, and you know, I, against a bad, you know, against a non-power five team against Southern Miss. And here, you know, you're talking about a pack 12, you know, two pack 12 teams playing and putting up 130 points and one guy alone thrown for almost 600 yards and, and nine touchdowns. That's, I mean, that's, if you have that game on Madden or, or on the old NCAA games, I mean, that's a, that's unrealistic even on that sometimes. Uh, so, I mean, it was a phenomenal game. I stayed up and got to watch it. Um, didn't intend to, I just was on TV as I was going to bed and, and uh, I'm glad I stayed up to, to see that, but uh, I also, unfortunately, you know, I'm a, I'm a Texas and TCU guy. And unfortunately I also had to watch TCU get beat by SMU, um, at home in Fort Worth, uh, 41, 38, knocked him out of the top 25. Uh, I mean, TCU, again, they got the defense didn't look very good. Normally they have a good defense, but their, their offense, just the running game looked phenomenal. But, uh, at halftime, their quarterback was one of 10 for 22 yards, uh, they can't throw the ball right now. This season has been all season, really. Uh, so until they can fix that, I mean, it could turn out to be a pretty long season, honestly, for them. So uh, Clemson, you know, talking Clemson and Alabama, uh, Clemson 52-10 over Charlotte did what they needed to do. Alabama 49-7 over over uh, Southern Miss. Again, I, I talked about, you know, Tua, it was uh, 293 yards. Sorry, my, it was my mistake earlier, but. Uh, still threw for the five touchdowns. Trevor Lawrence against Charlotte only threw nine passes, um, but threw for 94 yards and two touchdowns. All he really had to do, honestly. So, um, yeah, I mean, Ohio was, State putting up 76. I said, yeah, I, yeah, Ohio State against uh, Miami of Ohio. Um, yeah, huge numbers. Justin Fields had a, had a big day, um, 76 points. They had an opportunity to hit 80, honestly. Um, but uh, and then, uh, you know, we talked about last week, Arizona State upsetting, uh, uh, upsetting Michigan State got into the top 25. They did this last season. Also, they got it. They upset Michigan State last season, got into the top 25, lost the following week. Uh, I actually talked about that last episode and they did it again this year. They got into the top 25 and then got upset by Colorado. Um, so and then just, you know, talking about Heisman guys, uh, a little bit earlier with Ellinger and what Tua has been doing and things like that. Uh, Joe Burrow for LSU, uh, 400 yards and six touchdowns over Vanderbilt. Again, not a good team, but still great numbers. Uh, so, I mean, it was, it was, it was a, it was a good weekend of college football, honestly. So next week, let's talk about what we're excited about. I'm excited about one thing, ESPN college game day coming to my neck of the woods in Lincoln for the Nebraska, Ohio state game. I don't know how good of a game it's going to be, but I'm super excited that they're coming to Lincoln to showcase everything Nebraska's got to offer. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a, uh, 
I, I it, it's going to be a fun game to watch. Honestly, this will this will be the first time Ohio State's been tested against a good offense. Adrian Martinez is a great quarterback, honestly, um, and Nebraska's offense has shown signs of of being explosive. Um, I think they're going to lose the game. I mean, we I think we can both be honest about that. It's Ohio State's definitely the favorite. Ohio State should win the game. Um, and honestly, they should probably win it by at least 10 points, but I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, and that's exciting. I mean, it'll be exciting for, for you guys up in Omaha to, to get to see that. Um, but I mean, there's some other big matchups though, too. Uh, um, you have, uh, Cal who's uh four and oh, I think they're the only undefeated team left in the pac 12 going against Arizona state. We saw Arizona state, despite losing, they've got talent. They can beat ranked teams. Um, um, but Cal, I mean, they've already got wins over over uh, Washington, who's three and one, ranked number seventeen. They've got a win over uh, Ole Miss, uh, so Cal looks like they could be for real, honestly. And they might be, they might honestly be the last hope the Pac-12 has to get into the playoffs. Um, you also have number ten Notre Dame going against number eighteen Virginia. Um, that's going to be uh, at Notre Dame. Um, that could be, you know, Virginia struggled against Old Dominion this last week, but that could be an upset game to watch potentially. Uh, and then USC Washington, another big Pac-12 game. Uh, both one-loss teams, both ranked in the top 25. Um, and then um, we also have uh, number 24 K State going against uh, Oklahoma State. And this is kind of a game for me. It's K State's undefeated right now. A lot of people aren't talking about them. Uh, they lot, you know, Bill Snyder retired after last season. A lot of people aren't talking about them. But uh, you know, they are undefeated. This is a game that could be a you know we're for real game. Oklahoma State's a good team. Uh, they're three and one right now. They're always coached really well. They always got a you know an explosive uh, offense. They've got to me outside of Jerry Judy, I think Tylen Wallace is the best receiver in college football. Um, uh, and then they got uh, Chuba Hubbard uh, at running back. Who I mean, that guy's a workhorse. So um, if they can beat Oklahoma State, they might be for real, honestly. And then the last big game I'm looking at, honestly, is it's uh, number number nineteen Utah looking to bounce back against Washington state. Who's also looking to bounce back both coming off losses, but both have great offenses. Uh, it could be another 120 point game, honestly. So, uh, another big week in college football. So, uh, some of the higher ranked teams are taking the week off before conference play starts, but, um, uh, before conference play really starts, but, uh, still a lot of great matchups though. I'm, I'm really excited about yeah, it. It should be a good week. All right, I think that wraps up this episode. Uh, be sure to tune in to our fantasy episode that we're going to release this week. Uh, we usually do it all together, but we figured we'd, you know, for people who don't play fantasy, this is the episode you want. And for people who do play fantasy, you get another episode of, of us this week. So, um, what can they expect in that episode? I mean, we're just going to be doing a deep dive. Uh, you know, we usually just kind of touch and name a, a few people to watch out for, but, you know, we're going to try and go go in a little a little more in depth and and uh, talk about some of the matchups that these guys have why we're picking them uh things like that uh so i i mean if you're a fantasy football pl player make sure you you know make sure you listen to this episode because we're going to have some good information uh maybe some different takes than what you'll get on some of the other sites and some of the other podcasts um you know we come at it from from more of a realist standpoint than uh than some people so uh, make sure you pay attention and make sure you listen to the episode and as always, visit gridironauthority.com. You can actually view our fantasy deep dive article every week. Um, you can view all of our other articles we post and listen to all these episodes of our podcast. So stay tuned. Mm -hmm.